From the studios of Teeing It Up in the swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for March 3rd, 2021. Um, it's been about a month since I did a podcast in my normal podcast sabbatical that is February sometimes. You'll see a lot of podcasts over the next couple of weeks uh, as we prep for a whole bunch of things, uh, including the Players' Championship, start of Major League Baseball season, the Masters, just on, on down the line um, of things you'll be seeing. But we start off, and I don't even know if the guest even remembers this or knows this, with the last guest we had on Teeing It Up before our little sabbatical, and that was Luke Morrow. Uh, welcome, Luke. Oh, well, good to be here. I'm honored to be the, the first in, um, in the new season, if you will. So let's talk about the NFL for a second here. This is, you know, new news about the Jets. Um, the Jets who once considered, this is uh, Ristamini, ESPN.com, the Jets who once considered Sam Darnold an untouchable asset are open to listening to offers. Quote, I will answer the call if it's made, Joe Douglas said, confirming previous reports that the Jets are willing to to, uh, field inquiries. Um, uh, Douglas says he's in no rush to make a QB decision, but there's a a pressing deadline in regards to Marcus May, blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, Do-do-do-do-do-do. Um, as, as it pertains to Sam, we think Sam is a dynamic player in this league with an unbelievable talent. Um, he really has a chance to hit his outstanding potential moving forward. But if calls are made, I will answer them. Um, so, uh, that's definitely, um, Interesting, and look, you look at this team, Luke, that's constantly trying to figure out its direction, and it seems like this is what the Jets are doing here, trying to find their direction and are open to whatever may come their their way, and you wonder with the Carson Wentz trade and others what they're going to get for him if they put him up in the open market. Yeah, certainly. I mean, you should always explore all avenues or possibilities and try to get better in any way you can. You know, as they say, everybody has their price, and the Jets may be able to find one for their quarterback. Um, In regards to Darnold and Stafford and the others, you know, we'll see how he may compare, but he certainly still has, uh, I believe, um, fans in the league elsewhere with the ability that Sam Darnold possesses. And coaches always have egos that they believe they can be the one that could unlock the most from that talent. So if the Jets do try to, to move him, I'm sure you could get uh, certainly find a suitor and get some sort of deal. I would imagine closer to Carson Wentz than Matt Stafford, but you know certainly something that would still make it worth the trouble. Uh, you're saying that uh, coaches have egos? Uh, you know, maybe a few of them. I've, I've, uh, I've known a few over the years. And they have uh, some big egos. Uh, it's, not, uh, it's not required for the job, but it certainly comes with it. So, also from Rich Samini, Douglas uh, it can't comment on Deshaun Watson, but didn't seem enthused about the prospect of trading significant draft capital for one player. 
Um, for us to get to where the team, to, to where the great teams are, the most consistent teams are, you do that through the draft. Um, would you trade for Deshaun Watson if you were Joe Douglas? It's a good question. I've wavered on it because he's obviously a, a great talent. Um, pushing towards, I would have him certainly a top 10 quarterback in the league and potentially around you know the, the, the top five as well. But the concern is what you would have to give up to get him, as uh, Joe Douglas alluded to, and then also uh, the money you'd have to spend to keep him. Starting next year, he's going to make $40 million uh, per season. And we uh, actually just talked about this yesterday on the show, is that you know no team has won the Super Bowl when a quarterback has made over 13% of the salary cap. We'll see what next year's salary cap is, but based off of this year, Deshaun Watson would be making 22%. Uh, it's almost twice as high as you know the highest-paid Super Bowl-winning quarterback. And the point being, when you devote that much of your salary cap to one guy, it's hard to then have money left over to fill the pieces around him. So you're going to have to give up draft picks to get him. There goes your cheap options of drafting somebody and not having to pay them much. And then once you do get him starting next season, you're going to have to pay him almost a quarter of your salary cap, and then you can't go out and get free agents either. So you have to make sure that you have pieces around them that – almost like he's the missing piece. You just need a quarterback to win. But if you feel like there's still moves to be made elsewhere, well, then making that move for Deshaun Watson is really going to handcuff you in trying to build up the rest of the team and fill those other holes. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, and we'll be talking about this on uh, many future podcasts um, with Luke and with others. That's not why Luke's on the show, is it, Luke? Hey, whatever you need. I'm, I'm a Swiss Army knife. <laughs> so Luke, obviously, host of the Morrow Midday Show, ESPN Radio, 98.9 FM, Charleston. You can also listen online um, uh, on uh, charlestonsportsradio.com. Um, I appear there every Wednesday at 1 p.m. to talk golf. Luke is also the voice of the Citadel, the radio voice um, of the, of the uh, Citadel. And the reason why Luke's on the show on March 3rd is, um, Luke, I, 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 I mean, the rumor is you wanted to talk football. And, um, you know, I, I, you seem to be really enthused about, uh, you know, two-hand touch football uh, that's happening down the street from your apartment. No? It, it, it's actually something different than two-hand touch? Yes, as much as I love the uh, fan-controlled football league that has started this spring with Johnny Manziel and Josh Gordon on Twitch every Saturday night, the football I'm most interested in right now and devoting the majority of my time to is FCS football, which are playing. They are, in fact, playing in the spring. You may not be able to watch it on TV anywhere, but the games are happening. Yeah. We're having ourselves uh, a football season for the FCS, including the Citadel, here in the spring. And uh, it's unusual, but you know what? It's great just to have football. If it was up to me, there'd be football every week. So I, I welcome the opportunity. So this airs on your sister station, 94.7 of uh, The Zone. You are the radio voice of them. Um, and it's been an interesting road to get to where you are, which we will get to momentarily. But I do want to point out... Um, that you lost in your opener, 47-28 to to Mercer. Uh, and your next game is this Saturday, uh, March 6th, against Chattanooga. And you can see that game on ESPN+. Plus. So, 
I just wanted to point that out and uh, promote the cause before opening it up and basically saying, let's go back to this time last year. You're calling Citadel basketball. You're, you're either calling or getting ready to call Citadel baseball. And a week after we're talking right now, basically, the, the whole sports world stopped. So where was football? And I'm just going to lay out here. Where was football on March 3rd, 2020? And then how do we get to the point where we're, we're now playing spring football? Yeah, it's been a, a long and winding road for uh, the last 12 months, or obviously everyone in the country and in the sports world has been no exception. Yeah, I remember, just to take it back to last year, uh, this time, or even when we first got word of the seriousness of the pandemic in this country, uh, with the shutdown of the NBA season, so, you know, just under a year from, from uh, a year ago. Um, my parents were in town. There was a civil baseball game that day. We had, we, I broadcasted the baseball game. I went to a brewery with my parents. We were watching the NBA games on TV. Um, the conversation that week, we did talk about COVID-19, uh, but at that time, we didn't know that it would turn out to be what it has been. And so talking with my parents as they were traveling, you know, be cautious, but just, you know, just hopefully it's not that big of a deal for us in this country that we won't have so many cases. And we were sitting there waiting for our food, and I was on my phone. And I saw it on my phone before they announced it on the TVs or anything that Rudy Gobert tested positive. I told my parents, and I remember the shock. And then as we sat there a little bit longer, uh, we got the word that the NBA was going to suspend their season as we were sitting there. And it was just a very surreal night. Now, to bring that all back to the Citadel, we had just broadcasted a baseball game that day. And uh, as I just mentioned, you know, in the conversations with uh, my parents and other people, with, with the company here, uh, the conversation was always, you know, let's keep an eye on this. But at that point, until the news from the NBA that night, we did not think this would be something that would turn the sports world upside down. So then within 48 hours, we get word that the basketball season is done with uh, for the Citadel and for everybody. Um, baseball is at the time was just going to pause because, again, very early on, we thought, well, maybe this will just be a few weeks. Uh, so baseball season paused. And for football, the Citadel, they were fortunate in that they were doing their spring season earlier than most teams. So the Bulldogs just had their spring football game days before that previous weekend, in fact, uh, because this was, what, like a Wednesday when we got the news from the NBA Wednesday night? Yeah. Saturday before. Yeah, so a couple of days before the Citadel had their spring game. Uh, most colleges did not have any sort of spring football because they hadn't started yet when the pandemic started. The Citadel was, was fortunate. But they got theirs in, but they were preparing to play, as you would expect, you know, at the end of August and continue on with their camp. So when that news came out, um, just for me personally, it, I mean, it shut down everything. We continued to do the radio show, but only for the next two weeks before we shut things down for a little while, waiting for sports to come back. And um, for the signal, yeah, basketball came to a halting screech. Uh, baseball, uh, or screeching halt, I guess I should click. Baseball got off to a really good start last year and just had to stop their season eventually within about the next two months. It took a while. They tried to delay it as long as they could, and eventually they made the call, yeah, we're not going to come back and play at all this year, which in hindsight seems obvious, but at the time we were holding out hope. And for football, everything shut down, um, and eventually you know, kids left campus, and you just press pause as a, fo as a football program to keeping an eye out on uh, what could be down the road. And so specifically for single football, kids started to come back in the summer, like uh, all the college programs, with the hope that they would be able to play in the fall. And the Citadel did play four games, four non-conference games in the fall against mostly FBS programs in a way to uh, make some money, in fact, especially during this pandemic. 
but as the Clemson and the South Carolinas returned and were holding their summer camps uh, and being careful and getting ready to play, so too were the Citadel. And then we spent the entire summer waiting on the conference to see what the conference decision would be because it would come down to the Southern Conference, the conference in which they play in. Uh, they would have the final call on if there was going to be football in the fall. And we were holding out hope again that there would be. And I can't recall but the timeline when we got word. I do remember it was pretty close. We, we figured there wasn't going to be Southern Conference football, but it did not become official until, I want to say, like a month before kickoff. I think it was that late in the process that we were still thinking, like, okay, are we going to play in a couple of weeks? And we got word that it wasn't going to happen, which was um, – certainly tough news and for the Citadel they wanted to play some sort of football so they did play in the fall and only played four games so that they could participate in this spring season now with the conference so it's been an unusual to split season it counts the same our record from the fall continues here into the spring and so uh, we essentially played four games in the fall took about what is it five months off something like that four months off and now we're continuing the season in the spring and it's been a it's been an odd timeline here over the last 12 months very odd um, very, very odd indeed. So I want to dive into a couple things on that. You've got colleges all over the country opting out, uh, ha- um, having kids opt out, conferences opt out, and then the whole microcytosis chest thing in the Big Ten and the back and the Pac-12 were following them. So you've got all this inconsistency going around. Nobody's on the same page. Nobody can figure out what the heck to do besides the SEC, the ACC, and a couple random teams here and there that basically were ready to go come the start, maybe with conference play, maybe not with conference play. As you would sit with the coaches, because I'm, from what I can tell, it seems like this team was practicing to get ready for whatever their first non-conference game was. I don't know if Southern Florida was going to be the actual first non-conference game if the schedule had held to form. But were these players ready to go and, and practicing just like any other summer, thinking it was going to start on time? Yes. Yeah, so uh, you bring up a good point about the schedule that I, even I you refreshed my memory because, yeah, the schedule is thrown out. That was the other thing. So uh, before I specifically get to your answer, or I guess in part I will answer your, your question with, uh, with a story, um, from that, from the last summer where our first game was supposed to be against um, uh, Towson, I believe it was. Or maybe, no, I think it was Elon. Elon was supposed to come here and play here in Charleston, first game of the year. And so that was the other part of it, was that as we waited on the Southern Conference to make the, the call, and they were one of the last conferences in FCS football uh, to make their decision, other conferences or just teams were bailing. And Elon was one of the first teams to bail even before their conference did, they pulled the plug and said, even if our conference is playing this fall, we're not. And so that was our first opponent, and that happened during the summer. So now it's like, okay, well, there goes the first game. We're not playing uh, on whatever date it was, August 28th, that it was originally scheduled for, whatever the date was. And so that was the other unusual part. And as the weeks went on, okay, then Charleston Southern, our cross-town rival, then they were like, well, you know what, we don't think we're going to play. It's like, all right, cross that one off the list. We lose that game, try to find somebody else to play. And so, anyways, in the end, we lost the entire schedule. Everyone on the schedule, except for Clemson, was the one. Uh, but everybody on the schedule opted out. So now, if you're the Citadel, it's like, well, we did want to play some games in the fall because the final announcement or decision made by the Southern Conference was we're going to play our conference schedule in the spring, but you're allowed to play your non-conference games in the fall, which you brought up the Big Ten, the Pac-12, 
And back at the time when this was happening, this was the big debate and uh, controversy, but for the Southern Conference to come out and say, well, it's not safe to play conference games, but you can play non-conference games. It made no sense. And we saw it with other conferences as well, where they just tried to pass the buck. They don't want to be responsible. So they told schools like the Citadel, like, hey, if you want to play this ball, go ahead and do it, but do it on your own. It's going to have nothing to do with us in case something goes wrong. We don't want to be blamed or get in trouble. So the Citadel at that point said, well, we would like to play a couple of games in the fall. And they were practicing all along throughout the summer uh, because, yes, their hope was, an expectation, I think, even, for a long time, was that they would play their regular schedule and started on time. That was the hope. And if that was, uh, were to happen, they needed to be ready to go. So, yeah, they had, uh, obviously, social distance. They, they developed a second locker room so they could space people out. Uh, but they went through their summer camp in preparation for the start of a fall season that ended up being just four games. And they had to find those games. And some of them were scheduled very, you know, last minute. But they found USF became a, a potential opponent um, when we played Eastern Kentucky here at home. And so that was the big thing for my position throughout the summer was like every day checking in, talking to other people around the program. Like, have you heard anything? Do we have a game scheduled? Are we going to be able to play this fall? What did the conference say? And it was a very fluid situation that uh, you were wondering day to day. And um, in the big picture, you know, other people were dealing with bigger issues with the pandemic. But in terms of our uh, jobs or what we were expecting for the fall, it was pretty stressful because we didn't know what to expect. We were holding out hope for football so that we would have something to do, right, so you could actually do your job. And every day you were trying to get new information and hoping that you'd get some good news that either the conference said, hey, we are going to play, or the Signals said, yeah, well, you know what, we scheduled some games. And I just uh, now remember thinking back every day, trying to get new information. Like, have we scheduled any games? Are we playing? Because I just wanted to make sure, you know, I still had a job to do in the fall. Um, and there was something to look forward to with, uh, with the Citadel football. So uh, Luke Morrow's with us here on Teeing It Up. One of his many hats is he's the radio voice of the Citadel for football, basketball, baseball. Um, and FCS football kicked off last weekend, some the weekend before. Uh, for the spring season that got postponed because of the pandemic, and we're walking Luke through the, the crazy last 53 weeks, 52 weeks, basically, that has been this country in America. So you schedule four games, USF, Clemson, Eastern Kentucky, and Army. You lose all four of those games. You lose to Southern Florida, uh, sorry, South Florida, 27-6. to you get blown out by Trevor Lawrence and company, 49 to nothing. You lose to Eastern Kentucky, 37 to 14. And in your final game on October 10th, you lose to Army, 14 to 9. Luke, I'm a Jets fan. Um, being 0 and 4 is not fun. Um, being 0 and anything is not fun. And these kids. Took off the pads on October 10th, knowing they were 0-4, and then they had to wait all the way until February 27th to put the pads back on, only to get defeated by a large margin yet again by Mercer, 42-26. to So what was their mental state coming out of the Army game and then from your interactions, albeit probably virtual or from a very large distance, what has their attitude been in the spring? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, they were 0-4. I'm sure they were disappointed. I know they were disappointed. They obviously wanted to win those games. 
but I can tell you from the people that weren't playing the games or going through practice, we were just grateful that the games are being played. So like from a fan perspective, from my perspective, broadcasting mm. the games, we were just thankful there right. were games. I'm sure the players were very disappointed that they didn't win any. But I do know that the message uh, from Coach Coach Brent Thompson of the Citadel with the Army game was, you know, even though we went 0-4, uh, he, he gave the players plenty of credit and props for navigating the crazy situation, tough situation, having to socially distance while still getting ready for a football season, having to do everything different and still preparing yourself to go out there and play uh, while dealing with schoolwork and everything else. But normally, in a, in a normal year, college athletes deal with, now you factor in a pandemic, and it's just a little more complicated way of doing or going about that season. And even though they didn't win any of the games, you know, they shut out Clemson in the second half, only team to do that, uh, had a chance to beat Army. So even though they went 0-4, you know, they felt good about just being able to play the games, playing as well as they did for uh, portions of those games, didn't play a complete game. And then they shut things down uh, because those were the rules. And you had to get ready for spring football and plus it would be better for the team as well. So after they played Army, uh, you know, then they took like a quasi-off season. They ramped it back up after the new year here in 2021 to now get ready for the spring season. And the concern with the spring season, part of it too, and it's not just the signal, all the teams are dealing with this, is that you didn't have your full roster in the fall because of opt-outs. You don't have your full roster in the spring because of more opt-outs. Kids that graduated in December... Uh, that moved on, um, kids that transferred, whatever it may be, a lot of moving pieces with all the teams at the FCS level right now in the spring. And so you had a different team in the fall, you have a different team now, you don't have all your starters, and for the Citadel specifically, uh, or all the teams playing right now, just kind of avoiding uh, the apathy of this for these kids. Um, certain kids really look forward to this opportunity, I'm sure, and this is, I'm just speaking in general, not necessarily in regards to the Citadel, Right. But, I mean, it's human, human nature. Certain athletes right now in the FCS this spring, I'm sure, were so stoked to be able to go out and just play football. They don't care what month it is. They didn't get to play their full season in the fall. They're happy just to have games now. And then there's other kids that are probably not happy with having to play right now in the spring and then turning around and having a fall season. Or they're used to having a little more downtime right now, and we're all creatures of habit, whatever the reason may be. So... With the Citadel specifically in their game Saturday against Mercer, that was the concern in the first half. We fell behind 28 nothing at halftime. We played lousy. We turned the football over. We couldn't tackle anybody. And from my perspective in the press box, I'm talking with my color analyst, it seemed in the first half that just, you know, almost like they didn't want to be out there. They weren't interested in spring football. Now, to their credit, uh, they got a kick in the pants at halftime, as you would imagine. They came out and played really well in the second half, made it a one-possession game, had a chance to recover the onside kick and go for the tie and in the losing, but that is the concern, that was the concern going into that game, and that's going to be concern throughout the spring season, is can you keep, can you make sure these guys are all in, they're invested, they're interested, and the attitude is up, and that these guys are going to give it all, because it is a very unusual thing, and then you turn around and you have your next football season just a couple months away, and it's why certain guys have opted out or transferred out from programs this spring, because they're not interested in doing that. So you have to make sure that the guys you do have playing here you keep them healthy, you keep them sharp, you keep them invested, and you get a good effort every week because this is unusual. And, and quite frankly, even though I enjoy having the games, it's not ideal for the players, for the coaches, or for the programs. And I just want to give people an idea that this is not easy. What, what, what some of these programs are going to have to attempt to do here, just from a pure football standpoint, is not easy. There are no bye weeks. The Citadel goes March 6th 
13th, 20th, 27th, April 3rd, April 10th, April 17th. That's seven games in seven weeks. Now, could stuff get canceled? Could there be positive cases? Could there be pauses, suspensions? Who knows? But Luke, when you talk about buy-in and you talk about wanting to save yourself and you want to talk about these kids having to figure out what is best for me and my future and what is best for, you know, my progression as a player, whether it's to play in the NFL, whether it's to transfer to an FBS school, whatever the case may be, you're now trying to calculate this. And you're having to do it off of no bye weeks, which is great if you have momentum or great if you're trying to put together a reel or great if you're playing great or great if you're excited. But I have to assume just human nature, there's a wear and tear issue here that could pop up uh, from having no bye week, first of all. And secondly, um, you really don't know what physical shape these guys are in because they're having to train way differently and you would like to know who may need a game off or who may need to be more of a decoy than a threat um, if it's a playmaker. You don't have that option with no bye weeks. Yeah, the no bye weeks wasn't a uh, great plan if I'm being uh, honest, and that was done by the uh, Southern Conference specifically. You know, other conference did put more time into the schedule for playing fewer games, maybe over a longer period of time. Uh, but not even just for the health of the teams, but also, uh, like you said, I mean, games probably, I mean, we've seen it already in our conference. Games have been canceled or, or postponed for the time being because of COVID. And so you give yourself no wiggle room. You expect, you have to uh, hope that everything goes perfectly to be able to play eight games in eight weeks. You have one issue, oh, there goes that game because uh, you have no time in the schedule to make it up. So even from that perspective, it makes it tough. But for the players, you know, I don't fault any players. Uh, we've had players at the Citadel and other programs in the conference that either opted out because of that or enter the transfer portal just to say, you know what, I can't, I'm not doing this. I'm going somewhere else that isn't doing spring football. Um, because if you look at, say, North Dakota State, who I know they just lost, but, you know, they were usually the favorite at the FCS level. If they go on and win the championship here in the spring, they will have played uh, about 12 games when you include the playoffs. Then you turn around, you start your next season, the playoffs will go to, I think, about May. Then you start playing games again at the end of August, and that'll be a normal football season where you play 11 games, and if you make a run to the championship, I believe uh, it's five more games to the playoffs, so that's 16. So if I'm doing my math correctly, um, that's, what, 28 games in about a nine- to ten-month period. I mean, it's just crazy. We know in football, that's not even in the NFL, that's not what you do. So you're talking 28 games for these college kids with potentially no bye weeks or maybe one in the fall and then the offseason in between, but you're playing 28 games in about nine months. Um, and uh, there's a lot of concern about the health, about wearing these guys out, um, everything that goes into that, the health and safety, which is ironic because, of course, the whole idea of this was the health and safety in regards to the pandemic. And that was the response for a lot of coaches. Like, yes, I know we're doing this because of COVID-19 to keep the kids healthy from that, but in turn, we're putting them in danger physically forcing them to try to play these games like this and playing in their normal off-season where maybe uh, they're not used to ramping things up to play eight straight weeks in the spring. This is when their bodies are usually taking it easy. And then you ramp it up in the summer for the fall. So there's a lot of that that goes into it. And it's just another thing that these programs or coaches have to navigate is making sure these guys are healthy. There will be a load management, at least with the Citadel, I can tell you, talking to the coaches. There is a load management aspect of it where 
they're not going to ask the guys to play 100% of the snaps like they would in a normal season. They're going to try to use more guys and make sure they're not burning players out or um, putting them in a spot where they could get seriously injured by going through all this. Well, you read my mind, Luke. Uh, we're, uh, Luke Morris with us, voice of, of the uh, Citadel football, basketball, baseball, FCS uh, football back underway for the spring season uniquely because of COVID-19. You read my mind because um, we always talk about in baseball, you never want to get a pitcher, a relief pitcher, uh, throwing in the bullpen too, uh, too many consecutive innings because you basically lose them or, or you know, they've thrown too much, their available pitch counts now down, and they've wound up throwing, you know, 60 pitches because they're up three straight innings, and then you're asking them to do a huge inning that takes 40 more pitches, and, and without even realizing it, you've overworked somebody. Um, these guys trained in the spring, trained in the summer, trained in the winter, played in the fall, and now are playing in the spring. That's a lot of snaps, in quotes, on these bodies, which I think is another interesting aspect of this, which is we've seen in the NBA so far this year that sometimes it's who's out and who's in and if that player is a big player or not. Um, you know, you look at the Nets, the fact that they were able to go and Five and zero on that West Coast road trip. Four games without Durant because of COVID nineteen protocols, and a lingering something or other um, um, health issue, is just amazing to me. And for, for for any of these teams, Chattanooga, Western Carolina, East Tennessee State, Samford, Wofford, Furman, VMI, if one of their guys is out, or if one of your guys is out, that can totally tip the balance of power for no proper reason yeah 100 i've said the same thing before that i think the teams that are going to have the most success here in spring specifically are the ones that either have the most depth or the ones that have most of their starters actually playing or whatever it may be the ones that can handle the this adversity the best because in the case of the citadel uh just comparing from the fall to the spring so not even last season but just from the fall to the spring uh we're without our starting quarterback um, our number two uh, wide receiver, uh, our two starting guys in the backfield, our number two fullback, and we're an option offense, so even the number two options are very important in the backfield. Yeah. We're, we're missing our two starting safeties. We're missing one of our outside linebackers, starters. Uh, we're missing, uh, I think it's two guys in the defensive line. Point being, right, we're missing like half of our start just from the fall. It's not even like it was a gra- you know, end of a, a year. Guys graduated. It's the next season from the fall to the spring. So we're putting in a new quarterback during all of this, right? We got uh, half uh, our defensive our defensive starters, half of them are new. So yeah, it comes down to which teams are returning the most players from the fall, which teams have most of their stars that are actually playing or that they can keep healthy. And I think that that is what it is going to come down to it. We saw in our conference, in the Southern Conference, a bunch of upsets this past week. We just saw at the FCS level, North Dakota State lose for the first time. I think it's in 32 games. Um, so that's it's. I think it's going to lead to an unpredictable spring. That it just comes down to the teams that have uh, that handle the situation the best. Not even necessarily the the best X's and O's prepared, or even sometimes play the best on Sunday. But just who has the most uh, the best healthiest bodies, and who has the most depth, and which team has their starting quarterback actually playing here in the spring? Because not every team in our conference does. 
uh, and those are the teams that certainly have the advantage and could be um, the best teams in the spring season. For anybody who's not been in a press box, there's a lot of uh, a lot of things said off the record um, for many reasons. Some of which is language that people would not like to be known for. Some of which is gossip. Some of which is um, actually interesting, but just not fit for any platform. So obviously, I'm not asking you to to say anything, um, you know, that is private. But what was the general vibe last Saturday in that press box? You're calling an official regular season game against Mercer in the month of February. What was the vibe in that press box? Yeah, so I'll just say in general, first first off, I don't know about the players, uh, but again, and this is not just a, this is a general thing from people I've talked to throughout the sport, that just in general, whether they work in the athletic department, whether they cover the team, whatever it is, a lot of people um, uh, are not the biggest fans of this idea. But with that said, um, for me personally, like I said, I'm, I, it's, it's not normal, uh, it's not ideal, but I just look forward to having football. So when we showed up Saturday in Macon, Georgia for kickoff, it was 75 degrees, and it did not feel like a football, it did not feel like a football game day. We pulled up to park, there was a beach volleyball game going on on one <laughs> side, there was a baseball game going on on the other side. And we were walking up to the football stadium, and people were tailgating, and it was a good crowd. Obviously, it had to be limited capacity and spaced out, but it was a good crowd. The fans were into it. Um, it was a good environment, no doubt. Uh, felt like a regular game, but the, the build up to the game was odd. Just walking in, 75 degrees and sunny. Even over in February, you would think, it, I know where you are, I'm sure it's still cold, but down here, you know, it's, it's, uh, when we play in the fall, maybe the first couple of games are warm like that, but you do get some more comfortable fall type of weather for our football seasons down here. But it was beautiful. Uh, people were out panning, you know, beach ball. And it's like, man, we got a football game tonight? And baseball is going on. And the music they play at the baseball stadium, right? Baseball is different. Baseball is a lot of country music. Football is a lot of, like, hard rock to get you excited. Uh, so we heard a lot of country music. And it just took me back. When I was in the press box, even during the game, like during timeouts when I was just sitting there, the smells, it's hard for me to describe because the food should be the same at a baseball game to a football game. But the smells, uh, the sounds of, like, country music, uh, what people were wearing, it just felt like it took me back to, I almost felt like it was in a press box at a minor league baseball game. It felt mm. like I should have been doing a baseball game instead of a football game. For me specifically, though, in my actual job, once we kicked off the game, I mean, it made no difference, right? I still describe the action in the football game. I tell you what's going on. I use my same style I always have. So from that sense, nothing changed. But just the build-up to the game, walking in, seeing the fans, it was just like, this does not feel like this should be a football game day. And being in that press box, again, I kind of snap out of it during timeouts and I'd smell the concession stands or hear the baseball game going on and just have flashbacks to being in that same seat but watching a baseball game in front of me and thinking like, this is unusual. But as they snap the football and we come back on timeout and they're playing and I'm describing it, it could have been November, it could have been July, it could have been February. You know, that didn't make a difference and I was glad to have football in front of me. But uh, there were some some things to it that certainly made you aware it wasn't a normal uh, football scenario, but it was still fun. It was still good to have the football game nonetheless. Anything else the folks should know uh, before we shut this thing down? No, I, I mean I don't think so. Yeah, I, the only thing I would say is that um, you know this is an opportunity for the FCS that 
they could get attention. It'd be nice if they had better TV contracts or the games were actually on national TV. But I would just say to fans out there, you always think of spring football as like the AAF and the XFL and all that sort of stuff. There is good football at the FCS level. Uh, I mean, these teams go off and beat FBS teams every year. I mean, the Citadel, we beat Georgia Tech last year. So um, it is good football. And so my point being, if you are looking for football this spring, if you're at home on a Saturday with nothing to do and there's nothing good on TV, the games uh, are all on ESPN3 or ESPN+. Plus. So you have to stream them. You may have to pay, you know, if you don't already have ESPN+. Plus, But just that there is good football to be had this spring. Um, you know, maybe you weren't into the XFL or the AAF, but the FCS football provides for football fans out there looking for uh, something to watch, some football to watch until the NFL and FBS comes back. Um, you know, there is some good football being played this spring, and so I'm just grateful that we have football to watch here in the offseason. He is Luke Morrow, host of the Morrow Midday Show on ESPN Radio 98.9 FM in Charleston, the radio voice of the Citadel uh football basketball baseball charting us through this bizarre 12 months uh for citadel football on the zone 94.7 fm did i get that right uh citadel is actually it's on uh the city 102.1 fm and 1450 am i'm i apologize i gave the wrong sister station earlier yeah that's fine well, uh, I'll say it again, just so that folks get this a second time. Yeah, Citadel Sports is on the city. It's uh, 1021 FM, 1450 AM here locally, and then online. It's, uh, the website is thecitycharleston.com, I believe it is, and you can stream it there or on TuneIn Radio or any of those other apps worldwide. 1 p.m. this coming Saturday against Ch- uh, Chattanooga is the Citadel's next game. Luke, I got to say, 12 months ago, I would not have thought we'd be doing a podcast about spring football. Not Yeah, you, you and me both. Uh, the, you know, the story I said, even on March whatever, 12th, when I was sitting there with my parents, I had no idea of what was going to happen to the Citadel or the sports world over the next 12 months. So it is pretty crazy looking back on it. Yeah, it really is. Um, and something I forgot to say on, on, on the golf spot today is uh, tomorrow when... When Golf Channel comes on the air at 2 p.m., you're going to see 8,000 people. That's the most at a golf event since this has come back. And we're going to start a stretch now of four figures consistently over the next six weeks or so for the PGA Tour. Um, We'll see how it progresses. But as more fans get in these buildings, it's going to be fascinating to see if the fans can galvanize some energy for these players that may be... uh, a little bit confused as to what they're experiencing suddenly having people besides their parents applauding them. Um, yeah, seriously. So, Luke, thank you as always for coming on Teeing It Up. And uh, I, I hope people enjoy this story because it's a really unique tale of 12 months. And if you're a football junkie, uh, you do have stuff to watch every weekend on ESPN Plus and other streaming platforms uh, now through the middle of April. Luke, Thank you, as always, for coming on Teeing It Up. Hey, my pleasure, as always. I hope I I did the story justice, because, yeah, there are a lot of layers to it. You definitely did, and I'm grateful that you gave us 39 minutes after doing your own show for three hours today. (laughs) Hey, I can never talk enough. (laughs) Uh, That's us. Us media guys. We have trouble uh, getting quiet. We have... (laughs) We have trouble getting quiet. Luke, thanks for joining us. 
Yeah, you bet. Subscribe, rate, review, everybody. Uh, we'll see you next time on Teeing It Up.